Miracy. It just, I think it's often overlooked how valuable it can be to simply, you know, reiterate information and like reframe and restate it in different ways. I think maybe sometimes people worry that they're being too repetitive, but there's great value in just reinforcing the models that you're helping people to learn because it's very difficult to really grasp something and, you know, commit it to long-term memory. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Our guest today is Linda Claire Puig, a relationship marketing expert and award-winning journalist. Thanks for coming to the show, Linda. It's my pleasure to be here. So, I mean, we work closely together and we go way back at this point, but for people who don't know you like Abe and I do, who are you? What's your story? How did you come to be doing what you're doing? And how did that turn into online courses? Okay, so my background is as a journalist and a writer, and I had a colleague who started this really cool little newsletter business. It was a print newsletter for psychotherapists, mental health professionals, and it opened my eyeballs to this notion that my writing could become a product and therefore something that made a lot more money than just my dollars for hours, which I had been charging. I didn't even realize that there was an additional opportunity like that. So I just remember thinking, wow, what a clever idea. She's so smart. And then I moved away from San Diego where we had that relationship. And I moved up to Northern California. And four years later, I'm going through some files, wondering what to keep, what to throw out, came across her business card and thought, will I ever have a reason to be in touch with her? Maybe, maybe not. I'll just keep her card. I won't keep any other paper. So I kept her card. And then literally a week later, she called me completely out of the blue and said, I'm moving to Barcelona. I'm going to finish my novel. And, you know, I have this newsletter business and I was wondering if you'd like to buy it. And it was just what the doctor ordered because I was looking for my next step. And I flew down, learned about the business and got so excited about it. And that's the birth of my business. I've been doing this work in this business since 2002. I did my first course, I think, in 2005, maybe. It's been so long. And uh, that was you know, quite the ordeal, as many people's first courses are. But now I feel very comfortable and, and very much enjoy. It's actually the best part of my week, teaching and working with my students. Awesome. So tell us a little more about, you know, so we know the space in which you operate, but what is the course that you are selling today? What is it and who does it serve and what does it do for them, et cetera? Sure. The course is called Your Audience, Your Way. And the Your Way is capitalized because that's the important key piece. There are an awful lot of audience building courses out there. And a lot of them say, well, this is the thing that will help you build your audience, or that's the thing that will help you build your audience. And you have to do it my way or the highway or it's not going to work, right? And so my course goes about it differently. Um, I help people discover what their personal strengths are, what their personal preferences are. I have an archetype quiz that helps them discover that, and that also informs them of what they might likely 
be good at doing. So I don't believe that people have to do social media in order to build a really solid audience. And so that's how my course evolved, is helping people find that thing that's theirs, but teaching them the real fundamentals of discovering who you are, discovering who your audience is, building your foundations, you know, your freebies, your landing pages, getting your nurture sequences in order, and then all of the different attraction opportunities and options available to you. And then once you're attracting people to your list, then you start nurturing them because without that important nurture piece, attracting all the people in the world doesn't mean much because when you try to start selling them without that nurture piece in between, then it just doesn't go so well. So it it goes to nurture and then I help them learn how to convert that audience into some paid, you know, I teach them about campaigns and launches and stuff like that. So it sounds like on the journey that people go through, there's kind of three phases, right? There's build the audience, nurture the audience, sell things to the audience. And it sounds like the nurture and sell are kind of like the same for everyone going through your program. But that first phase of build your audience is different depending on who they are and what their profile is on your archetype quiz, et cetera. Is that right? I would say that's generally true, although the nurture part can also be dependent on what they're best at. You know, somebody could nurture via video and another person could nurture via audio. But I do teach them that building an email list is the most important piece of that. Got it. So how do you do that in practice? How do you have hundreds of people going through the program where you know that the right approach for each of them is different and you structure a learning experience where they, where they learn the approach that's right for them? How does that work? Well, I first of all, I assume a lot of agency on their part. I'm going to let them know the most successful ways of doing things with the various options. I give them plenty of information about what works, what is known to work quite well. And then we talk about, I think probably the best answer actually is that I'd spend a lot of time coaching them. And so on our training calls, they learn lessons, but on the coaching calls, which are super important, and I stay for sometimes up to three hours coaching them that's when we can go really in nitty gritty into their specific situation. And so I can help them hone their ideas. So they're going to have ideas based on what I'm presenting, but then I can help them hone those ideas to make them more accessible, more successful, et cetera. I'm a really firm believer in group calls. Like there are good reasons to do one-on-one calls as well, but in a group setting, they learn so much from what they're compatriots are learning and talking about and digesting and asking about, et cetera. And I just feel that that's a really valuable way to learn and understand their own situation. Awesome. So can you walk us through some of the math behind the course in terms of what does it cost and roughly how many people do you have in an enrollment and how much support are you providing and how much of your time it takes? How much is it per student? Like, How does all that math work out? Sure. So they are paying either a one-time payment of $14.97 to join the course or a payment plan of $197 a month for nine months, which, you know, works out to be, I think it's a little over $1,700 maybe. And I have 80 plus students in the current cohort. And of that, I would say 35 or so are regularly there in person. And others listen to recordings and whatnot, send questions in advance. But, you know, not everybody is taking advantage of everything that they have available to them right this minute. They might take advantage of it later. So I would say I spend 
three to four hours a week in delivery. So about an hour for training and two to three hours in the coaching call. And then, you know, I created these modules the very first time I offered the program. So right now, when I come up to the day that I'm getting ready to deliver the training, I just make sure that it's still what I want to be saying. So there's a little bit of time, maybe an hour in advance of the training, just to make sure that everything's tip top shape. So, you know, up to five hours a week and it goes for 16 weeks. Uh, Abe, maybe you can do the math. (laughs) We'll do the math right here on the show. So yeah, I think the math works out pretty well. Oh, and there's one other thing. I also do a once a month coaching call after the program ends for another eight months so that they're essentially getting access to me for 12 months, but the core part of it is all delivered in four months. For the record, the math is $120,000 divided by 80 hours, so about $1,500 an hour. So not, not too shabby. I think it works. <laughs> I guess, can you take us through to a, a bit more on how do you help people through you know, the challenges of actually doing the work of identifying their niche or space and building their newsletter and so on? Because it sounds like it could be a big project for your clients to go through. I just love to hear a bit more about like, how do you help people get over the finish line with, with all the work they have to do there? It is a challenge. It's a big course. And I think the most important thing to me is at the very beginning, we talk about the audience, like that's module two, we get right into it, because it's, of course, the foundation of any kind of audience attraction efforts that you're going to be doing, you have to really zero in on. But I feel like I've been teaching this in some form or another for so many years that I have a sense of where they get hung up. And so I always try to address those areas where they get hung up. And then I have them fill out a form for that particular module. That's their homework for that, where they are really having to dig into what that, what that looks like, what their audience looks like. And this might add to the or detract from the hourly amount that you calculated, Danny. But I do want at the very beginning to review everybody's form to make sure that they have really identified in a quality way their audience. So that took a bit of time, but it's worth it to me because that is the foundation upon which everything else rests. People listening to Course Lab are always curious to know what are strategies and techniques for helping students succeed, right? Like a big challenge with a lot of courses is there are cool ideas, there's models you can follow, but people don't actually get traction with them, right? They may watch the video or, you know, read the technique or, you know, even do the worksheet, but not necessarily like apply it, right? And and take action in their life or in their work. So just always curious to hear what you've learned or what you found effective in those areas. Yeah, sure. It is true. That's the bane of every course creator's existence, right? Is you want everybody, every single person that signs up for your course to take advantage of it and not everybody does. So what to do to enhance those numbers? For me, it's an extremely step-by-step nature. And I'm always reminding them at the beginning and at the end of each module, of each training module, of where they are in the process and how what they learn today ties into everything else. So that's something that my past students have have talked about is they really, really appreciate that super step-by-step nature. You know, from my perspective, I'm like, oh my God, am I, am I making this too basic? But it always ends up that knowing 
exactly where they are in the process and what comes next and what came before is really super helpful to them. So I keep tweaking that to even enhance that even further. Cool. Thank you. Um, I guess this would be a, a slight tangent, but it is very relevant to the course as well as how you've grown your audience and your business. But I was curious to have you elaborate on this idea that you don't necessarily need social media to build an audience, to attract the right people to you. I think we'd love to hear more about that because you know social media has kind of taken over the world, right? And I think you know people have maybe coming into wanting to create an audience today, they feel like, oh, I have to be some big like social media influencer to have an audience. So I gather that you see it differently, but maybe can you unpack that for everyone listening? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know because I myself have not, I, I've done so little social media that you could count it on one hand in terms of percentages. It would be like one to 2% of all of my own audience building and nurturing work has been on social media. So I know it works. And I also know from you know colleagues and whatnot, what is working with them. I do sometimes have FOMO myself, but I feel like that relates to how my audience is feeling. They feel like I'm supposed to, I have to do social media. And there's so many people that that just doesn't feel like the thing that they want to pursue, but they think they have to. And so I'm here to help them understand that if they don't mind social media, it can be used in some great ways. If they do, you can ignore it. And so, you know, I I generally teach people that your list attraction, your list building is going to come from attracting people from two different buckets of places, one bucket being social media and the other bucket being other people's networks. And my experience and that of almost all of my colleagues that I know of is that this bucket of other people's networks, that means other people's email lists, other people's blogs, other people's podcasts, et cetera, that that bucket is usually more more reliably successful. Like the numbers are better when you utilize those kinds of methods. So I'm about giving people options, but steering them in the direction of what I know to be a bigger bucket. <laughs> so you know what? Obviously not to give away all the cool secrets in the course, but you know, for someone listening who is thinking like, wow, I, I wish I had like, you know, a newsletter of true fans of people who are really interested in my perspective and work, you know, what's like one step or one thing people could consider doing to start growing the type of audience you teach about if they don't have one today? Well, The biggest bang for any kind of energy buck that I've ever gotten is to collaborate with others. I call it a currency. I do believe that collaboration is a currency. And so when you start looking into ways that you can collaborate with people to somehow get in front of their audiences, the people who know and trust them, and can therefore be like you would be recommended by those people, which always comes with a lot more trust and credibility built in that that's the best way to look for the most that you can get out of the energy and time that you put in. Is that vague enough? <laughs> what, so for someone just starting out, like where do they even find those people or potential partners? Um, they need to know who their own audience is, and then they look for people who have those audiences. That in and of itself is a really good use of social media, is finding and interacting with potential partners. But there are also groups that are set up specifically for that reason of people who are looking for others to partner with to grow their list. So it's about really plugging into the concept and plugging into communities. And those communities can be found 
you know, in a number of different ways. Awesome. Thanks. Linda, can you tell us about the Get It Done implementation days? Yes. I love that. That's one of my favorite features of the program. And maybe this is just because it's helped me in the past, but I have always felt like any assistance with implementation is good because, you know, you may have the very best intentions. You may be normally a super productive person and then something can, you know, distract you or whatever. So this idea of of implementing what you're learning in the program is so important for momentum in the program and success of the program that I want to facilitate that implementation. So my course is divvied up into five steps, and each of those steps has several different modules. So after the end of each step, I try to, providing the calendar works right, I try to include an implementation day right at the end of each step. So we have five built into the entire program. And, you know, different people do implementation days differently. You know, somebody might say, okay, today you're going to be creating your freebie. That's what the implementation day is about. But I just tend to like giving people more freedom. So sometimes people show up to the implementation days and they work on catching up on their trainings and their homework from the class. And other times they are actually implementing the pieces that they learned about in the class. And other times it might not even be related to the class, but they just still need that day to be held accountable. And so we meet as a group. Those who are attending the Get It Done Day meet as a group in the morning. Everybody goes around and just quickly commits to something that they're doing that day or not even that day for the next three to four hours. And then we check back in. Well, we hang up. Everybody gets to work, but they get to work in a way that's kind of holding everybody else in the group energetically as, you know, wishing you good productivity today. And then we call back in middle of the day, let everybody know how we did on those things that we committed to and what we're going to be doing for the next, for the afternoon and the next three to four hours. And then we have one more call at the very end of the day to celebrate how much you got done and whatnot. And so it's just a feature that is super popular in the course. And people really find that it helps them keep moving forward, which is the main thing. You know, once somebody gets stuck and gets a little behind in the course, then they start, you know, feeling like they can't catch up and, you know, they get discouraged and whatnot. So this helps everybody stay current and also stay current in the things that they're creating in each of those modules. So do you see that as a tactic that anyone can kind of potentially drop into or implement in their own course, or is it really dependent on the type of course? No, I really feel like it's essential for every course, or it's a very delightful thing to have in your course because it it really works. Cool. Thanks so much, Linda. That was really great. You're welcome. It was really fun to be here, and I hope it was helpful. Linda Clairbuig is the author of Free, Build an online following that liberates you for life's adventures, as well as her six-figure newsletter. You can learn more about her and her course at youraudienceyourway.com. That's youraudienceyourway.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, why don't you kick it off? All right. So yeah, Linda has a really interesting focus and course. I guess one of the things that jumped out to me was 
the focus that she puts on implementation, both through leading her participants in group coaching calls, but also in blocking out explicit get-it-done implementation days throughout the program, where she kind of provides a, a structured format with accountability to help people actually implement and, and take action on the ideas in the program. And you know, we've talked to many different course creators who help their students succeed in different ways. But I thought this course had an especially strong focus on that implementation aspect. Yeah, I like the get it done days a lot as a concept because it seems to be very powerful and very popular in the course. But it's also, I mean, it's low tech, right? You just set up a Zoom call, people show up, you talk to them every hour or two, and people work. And yet it's a very powerful intervention. So I really like both the effectiveness of it and how easy it is to add that to to anybody's course who's looking to be like, how can I create a little more accountability and a little more of a structured container for the work to get done? I mean, Lindsay's program is kind of on the lengthier side too, right? In terms of just sheer calendar length. So, you know, that might be an implication, especially for people creating longer programs where there tends to be a loss of momentum and, and more drop-off over time that incorporating some of these implementation strategies could be especially valuable in that context. Yeah, absolutely. I also liked what Linda described in terms of, so she has this archetype quiz that she uses to help people understand which strategies to take and apply. But then that mix of just treating them like adults and giving them agency to, you know, follow the path that is right for them with the guidance and direction, using the format of group coaching to deliver that direction, to redirect where appropriate, but for other people to see that. You know, a lot of people tend to think about, in the context of course design, group coaching as being, you know, a compromise of, well, I want to give them coaching, but I can't justify or I don't want to do it one-on-one, so I guess I'll give them group coaching. It's the consolation prize. But Linda's point about it, you know, essentially it's not a bug, it's a feature, right? Her point about it being a really powerful way for people to learn from each other, to build momentum, to build those connections to see other examples, it feels like she's leveraging that in a really effective way. Yeah, I think the trick there is you have to have the experience and skill to create an effective group call environment, right? It's it's not as, it doesn't translate quite the same as like working one-on-one with someone where you can just build a relationship with them and kind of play off what they're asking. And it's an interesting blend of, I guess, of teaching and coaching where you have to have some structure so the group call doesn't just go all over the place, but you're not just delivering a presentation for an hour either. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something else she mentioned, and this was like a little bit of a, like kind of in passing, but she talked about being very clear and very step-by-step in terms of this is the process and also reminding people where they are in the process. This is actually really important. This is something called signposting, right? Where when you're navigating a process or a body of work, and you don't have expertise in it, it's very easy to get lost and lose the forest for the trees. And so that frequent process of here's the big picture, here's where we are right now in that big picture, that, that signposting is really important. And again, a, a fairly easy thing that people can immediately take and apply in their own courses to create a better, clearer, more navigable and less overwhelming experience. Yeah, super important. And kind of related to that, but not something we mentioned specifically in the interview, but I think it, it ties closely together with signposting is I think it's often overlooked how valuable it can be to simply you know, reiterate information and like reframe and restate it in different ways. I think maybe sometimes people worry that they're being 
too repetitive, but there's great value in just reinforcing, you know, the, the models that you're helping people to learn because it's very difficult to really grasp something and, you know, commit it to long-term memory and be able to apply it meaningfully, you know, having just been exposed to it once. So along with sign boasting, if you combine that with, you know, reiterating and, and repeating information in an appropriate way, that could be really valuable as well. Yeah, I mean, if you ask people, hey, do you remember that we talked about this topic last week? They'll say yes. If you say, now can you explain it back to me? <laughs> right? Often the answer is no. So even if it's a little repetitive, they're learning something new, it's, it's often necessary. Yeah. That's all I got. You want to do the readout? Let's do it. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eni, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes Just Between Coaches, Making It, and Once Upon a Business. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Linda for coming on the show today. Remember, if you want to get your own 1,000-person audience, you should check out our course over at youraudienceyourway.com. And to make sure you don't miss the really great episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you could, a star review would let us know that you're enjoying the show, and we should keep it going. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show 
is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.